Hi, I'm Beck, and this is the Be Soulful Podcast, a place where we dive into deep conversations with vulnerability and authenticity to inspire you to ask the more deeper and meaningful questions in your own life. Welcome to today's episode of the Be Soulful Podcast. My guest today is Tamara Patterson. Tamara has trained extensively for the last 35 years with some of the most well-known inspirational leaders. She holds certifications in a wide range of healing modalities, including Reiki, Theta, Meditation Towers Feminine, Feminine Practices, Robbins Mastery University, and Sacred Practices of the Jade Egg. Tamara's mission is all about empowering women to take responsibility for their lives in their relationships, through their self-care, and taking ownership of their femininity. Tamara knows from her own experience that women need to feel better about all aspects of themselves and to know that they matter so that they can step into their feminine power. Tamara considers herself to be a tree-hugging, glamorous hippie and has also had to deep dive into her own wounds, some of which included an eating disorder, an abusive upbringing and losing her mother in her early 20s, which then led her into her adult life, taking all of this with her, which manifested in drug abuse and abusive relationships. Today, Tamara holds true space for herself and the divine feminine energy and offers a range of services to women through her own business, My Seven Blessings. It's my pleasure to welcome Tamara to the Be Soulful podcast today. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you, Vic. Hi, how are you? Hello. It is, um, well, first of all, it's wonderful to see you again. I think the last time I saw you, I actually think it might have been 2016. I did one of your beautiful divine feminine workshops. Wow, was it that long ago? I was, mean, I'm in a bit of a time. I'm, I'm in a bit of a time bubble. So yes, <laughs> it probably would have been about five years ago. Well, it, I feel really honoured to be part of this podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. So, Tamara, the first as um the first question I ask all my guests, and it's really hard because it's, it puts everyone on the spot. And um, you know, but really think of whatever comes to mind first. Um, who is Tamara? <laughs> <laughs> throw me in the deep end throw you in um, well I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've spent most of my adult life trying to answer that question and I think I always come up with more most recently come up with it I'm a work in progress but that I'm a spiritual I, you know it's a cliche I know you hear this all of the time but I really believe it that I'm a spiritual being I've chosen to come here at this time to uh, learn the lessons I need to learn and to share the gifts in my own unique way yeah that's beautiful that, that's a beautiful way to, to frame it. I think you couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> and it is, it is, it's a really hard question to, um, to be asked on the spot because yeah, we don't often, we don't often think about that. Um, and it, it puts, it puts almost all of my guests on the spot. Um, but to give I, people back, I, I think it's one of the, when we, when we start to do our self-inquiry and our personal work and our spiritual work, um, one of the questions that does keep coming up that when we start to step into our power, the, one of the questions that keeps coming up is who am I? And I think it's an amazingly beautiful question to start with because as a time to use it for self-reflection and self-inquiry, if you can sit there with your hand on your heart and ask who am I, it, amazing insights will happen. 
Right. Yeah. Sorry. It cut out a little bit there, Tamara, but I did hear that um, amazing insights um, you said will happen. And, and you're right. Yeah. Asking ourselves that question is something that I guess we continuously do throughout our journey here, don't we? Yes. Yes. Important to ask. <laughs> So Tamara, I've given everyone a little bit of a background about you and a little bit about your journey, but um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, um, who you are, what you do, a bit about your own journey, things that um, have brought you to where you are right now in life? I feel like that the spiritual journey probably started for me now that I have the benefit of hindsight, even in my teenage years. And I I didn't understand it back then, but I certainly have um, been able to reflect on all of those years of personal growth and have come to an understanding of why I behaved in certain ways. So I I realise now that I am a very highly sensitive person. I'm an empath and I, I believe I chose the family that I was born into. And um, in that family, um, the feminine girl child is not, wasn't valued or honoured as in a lot of families, those feminine qualities, um, because I'm a very, I have a lot of feminine energy, healthy and unhealthy. <laughs> um, and I believe that some of those behaviours that I used to cope with over the years, um, I went through a, an eating disorder, I used drugs and alcohol to numb pain, because I was really sensitive and an empath, which I didn't know, but I was picking up so many different energies and I could sense people's judgments and um, some of it was really, really painful. So just experiencing that um, and I believe and most of my life I've had this belief, I've had this experience that I've been guided, that there was someone or something looking after me and thank God there was because some of the situations I was in. (laughs) Um, But I... When I lived in Los Angeles in the 80s, and it was all, it was very naughty and very fun, but I also discovered Louise Hay. Oh, yes. And um, I studied A Course in Miracles with Marianne Williamson. So all of that was kind of the beginning of practical spiritual journey. But I, I hid a lot of it. I was um, in fear of being judged and criticised and humiliated and ridiculed. So I didn't really own my spiritual side till much later on. Sure. Um, and I feel like this, this guidance, though, um, helped me experience some things that a lot of people would maybe have not put themselves out there. You know, maybe it was done out of ignorance or maybe it was, you know, um, done energetically. But I just feel that some of this healing that I experienced came in ways that I can't explain. You know, there was something, a divine power, you know, something bigger than me. Um, And then, of course, I had some unhealthy relationships with men, but I really, I'm really grateful that I was able to come to those 
uh, to the end of those relationships, vowing that I didn't want to stay in an unhealthy relationship and still not really understanding why. But I also came to a really grateful position to these men. I saw it as maybe we signed up as a sole contract and I ended up seeing it because they were showing me shadow aspects of myself. Yeah. So I saw that as unconditional um, act of love. So even though it was really painful and heartbreaking and unhealthy, but I learned so much about myself. And these men, I wouldn't, I might have, I might have learned about it in a different way, but these men showed me, you know, aspects of myself that I wanted to integrate, that I wanted to, um, that I wanted to own, that I wanted to uh, love myself back into wholeness. So Everything, every experience I've been through has been part of my healing and learning journey, part of my personal growth. I don't have, I don't call experiences good or bad, right or wrong. I, I just am, I feel like most of the time now, and of course I'm still a work in progress, most of the time I'm still, I'm just mostly grateful. Grateful that I've had these um, opportunities to become the best version of myself that I can be in this life. Wow. Well, first of all, I really thank you for sharing that so um, authentically, um, Tamara, and also, <laughs> and also being really vulnerable in that because um, it's not, that's not an easy thing for any of us to do. And um, so I really thank you for sharing that. Um, and a lot of things that you're talking about there, I, I can personally relate to, and I'm sure people who listen to the podcast will be able to, in some way, relate to that. Um you mentioned something really interesting. You said that um, you had quite a challenging um, up, upbringing uh, in, into the family that you were born into. And you said a lot of that was around the feminine, the feminine um, energy. And um, can, can you, can, if you, do you mind telling us a little bit more about that? No, not at all. Uh, my um, relationship with parents were challenging, but also I, as um, the daughter of a very charming man, but he was very of that generation, you know, he was abusive, uh, verbally abusive and right. domineering and chauvinistic. And um, I, I really felt, not valued by the masculine and this was in the shape of my father but I didn't value I wasn't feeling valued or wasn't feeling seen or heard and there's no blame here it's just awareness he didn't know any better it's like he didn't like or trust women Right. And I believe that those experiences that happen with us um, before we're seven, eight years of age are what end our whole adult lives healing if we bring awareness to it. Absolutely. And my whole adult life as a woman has been learning to value my feminine qualities for myself, not getting outside approval from men, because I was brought, I was brought up to look a certain way, sure. and if, if I looked a certain way and behaved a certain way, and I was the nice girl and the good girl and the people pleaser, and I looked pretty, and then I would be looked after by men. Basically, sure. that's 
kind of how I how it was I was just dismissed that wow. I had any other value in this life than being an accessory basically wow and I know that's a generational thing because I'm in my 60s now wow um, you don't look and, it and there's more awareness around the healthy masculine and the unhealthy masculine and the healthy feminine and healthy feminine but my relationships with the men and the people will all in my life have been a reflection of how I felt about myself and what I Oh, thank you thank you Beck every woman loves to hear that um so for me it's healing and balancing the um masculine and feminine energies within myself and to feel you know that and honor honor the feminine qualities that I have wow and so for people who may because, not. Because um, honouring the feminine qualities for women and because they're so needed on the planet, um, I think it's the most important work we'll ever do. Sure. Um, Tamara, for those who maybe don't quite, um, you know, fully understand feminine and masculine, could you um, maybe just talk us through um the what feminine when someone is truly in their feminine energy what that looks like we're in our feminine energy we're in it feels like flow and some of the qualities of the feminine are like kindness Uh, the feminine quality um, of kindness compassion and um, flow you know ease and grace and those beautiful qualities haven't been honoured. And a lot of women have felt like they've had to push and hustle and make things happen rather than be in a receiving mode. They've, they're in a, they're, um, in a way that they push through life. Do, 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 do. Busy, 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 busy. And that is more of a masculine energy. And, yes, we need that sometimes. But the the balance between the feminine and the masculine and owning our feminine qualities, and feminine qualities are honouring it within ourselves as women, is honouring when we need to rest, when we feel like a bit of luxury, when we feel like my experience deny all of that cup we're not giving from an overflowing cup minutes or 10 minutes to have a beautiful bath with oils and candles and um or to sit quietly with ourselves and write or read or whatever it is that lights you up and in my deepest experiences with women a lot of women don't even know what their needs are absolutely so i always start i always start with the women that work with me i always start with you know do you even know what you need we need to come back to basics and then to help them to guide them get still and quiet and so that they can start to feel what it is that i need you know asking our body asking our heart what is it i actually need not being in our head all the time coming dropping down into our heart and to our womb space where there is unbelievable wisdom 
And I feel like the women, the women that are doing, 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 our central nervous systems are fractured at the moment um, because of everything else that's going on in the world, but also yes. because, because we're not honouring our needs. And a lot of women that I've worked with over the years don't believe, believe they don't even deserve to have needs. Yeah, that's so, a big problem. That's a big problem. A, and I can and I can yeah. really relate. I, I can really I can really relate to that, Tamara. Every, everything that you're saying. Um, I remember when I think when I when I came and saw you at, at the time I came to your beautiful workshop that you did. It was in in a beautiful space in Melbourne. And um, you know, I, I do remember at that time, you know, I myself was previously in a very abusive relationship for many years. Um, and when I look back now on that, you know, hindsight is a great thing. You know, I stayed in that, um, you know, a lot of people, there was a lot of judgments around that. And, you know, because on the exterior, you would not view me as someone who you would expect to be in an abusive relationship that it was because it was, it was probably abuse in the extreme. Um, and a lot of people, you know, when it all sort of started to unravel and people started to really sort of understand what was really going on, there was a lot of judgment around, you know, how could you, how can you stay in something like that? But what people don't realize is that on the inside, you know, you are so, you present to the world, like you're so put together and that, you know, you're so okay, but inside you're not, you know, and a lot of that, um, really does stem from, you know, you were talking about that we live out the rest of our lives from the experiences that we have, we've had from up to seven years old. And a lot of that was, was to do with, with that, with that, with that, um, with that experiences from childhood. So, um, you know, and I remember, you know, fortunately I was able to, you know, get out of that situation, but, you know, I remember when I came and saw you at your workshop, I was in that doing mode, that pushing, 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 pushing. And I became unwell. I became really unwell because of it. So, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Yes, darling. That, that energy, sustained energy for women when there's no time to replenish, yeah. um, it, it is um, very depleting. It affects the adrenals. It affects our nervous system. And I feel like a lot of women um, that I've worked with and in my experience is that we've been, you know, we've been socialised as women for thousands of years now. Yeah. And we've been socialised to be the nice girl, to be compliant, to be the good girl. And we've been people pleasers. But this has been socialised over thousands, hundreds and well, a very, very long time, over thousands of years. And so now that the energy is changing and women are starting to honour their needs and their femininity and they're starting to ask the big questions. Yes. And, and you know, that's why we start, we see women's circles popping up everywhere. We see beautiful podcasts like this. We see, you know, women starting to question and wanting to come and work one-on-one -on -one and start to realise that there is more value in their life, that they have more to offer, that they have, that they're, that they're sitting on experience and wisdom that hasn't been honoured. And yes. now they're starting to go, okay, I'm responsible for my healing and my energy. What is it? 
that I can do to help heal because it's, this is the most important work on the planet at the moment because when we heal the energy of the wounded feminine, we it has a huge ripple effect and it yes. helps to heal, they say, six, six, degrees, six degrees out from us. Is that right? So it's um, taking responsibility. It's honouring our feminine needs, honouring the the um, 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 integrated as well. This is not about hating men or blaming men. No. The healthy masculine is rising as well. So all of this I feel so excited about being on the planet at this time because we are witnessing huge shifts. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I find it, I find it really exciting. I couldn't agree more. And I think you, you couldn't have summed all of that up um, better than what you did. Um, and, and I will touch back in on your journey, Tamara, but um, something that, um, you know, you spoke about was also, um, you know, people pleasing. Now, why do we do that? Why do we feel the need to, to people please? I have been guilty of it um, my whole life and so much so, you know, if I could make myself really small, I would. Um, I, I often found it very, very hard to accept compliments for many, many, many years. Um, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, the fact that someone would say something nice about me was very hard for me to accept. And so for a long time, I would keep myself almost in like a shell and keep myself quite um, small and only share, you know, bits of myself with close friends. But, you know, I was always hiding, always felt like I was hiding. And I know many women um, have experienced that. Um, but what, why, why do we, you know, in your experience, why do we people please? Why do we do that? I, my experience, and I, I'm still working with this energy yeah. of people please. Me too. It, it's, it's ingrained in a speck, you know, and we've got, we've got generations of women before us. So it's an ingrained generational response as well. Um, so once again, we're socialized to be people pleasers. You know, we're meant to be submissive, being a good girl. And yes. if we're submissive, we're a nice girl. Yeah. And um, it's, it's when we bring awareness to this, we're like, and I, I'm very guilty of it. You know, it's, I've, I've bought, I think I've spent my life people pleasing. Yeah. No, certainly not as much the last 10 years um but there are it's my default position as well when i'm feeling like and we've all experienced trauma on some yes, kind on some absolutely level. yes women. and it doesn't have to be extreme trauma but no. we've all experienced trauma and there's a spectrum yes and i believe pleasing when i believe that um some of the uh, unhealthy feminine traits like people pleasing the disease to please i call it um is is intrinsic you know it's like it's our mothers did it our grandmothers did it it's passed down from generation to generation and i do believe it's um you know if we we learn this in a very young age from generational trauma, but we learn this that if we're a good girl and we do all the right things and we're perfect all the time, then no one we won't be scared. We won't, no one will hurt us, no one yeah. will yell at us, you know, we will we'll be perfect and then therefore you know we will be safe. 
It's about not feeling safe. To me, it's a response to trauma. So because we weren't, we didn't, so, so many of us didn't feel being brought up. And if yeah. we learned these skills, a mechanism about in our world, sitting there being perfect, not, we, learn, we learn this by things. And it's a trauma response, in my, it is my belief. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you're right. And I think a lot of it also stems from as well, you know, um, when you're, when you're younger, you know, you, you don't understand that what you're doing is people pleasing, but you know, you're trying to keep, you know, and especially if you've come from a home that was quite dysfunctional, um, as I did, <laughs> um, um, you know, you, you learn that if you behave a certain way or do something, and especially if you are sensitive to energies, um, you want to make sure that those around you are happy. Um, that, you know, and you, you know, you, you're quite young when you're doing this, you're really small, but you, you consider it, you're thinking that I want my mum to be happy. So I'll do this. I want my dad to be happy. So I'll, I'll, I'll behave this way. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It is, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a reaction to trauma and, you know, without, and it's taken me many years to realize, you know, why I have done that and carried that with me. And also the fact that I take care deeply for people, but you know, there's a fine line between your, uh, between caring deeply for people and then like almost over pleasing, like wanting to make sure everyone's happy all the time. Like that's not a good thing. It's not healthy and not feeling like no, you can speak up for yourself or that if you voice yourself that you won't be liked yeah. or if I say what I really mean, I'm not going to be liked. Oh, my God, what are they going to think of me? And, I mean, really, if we're really living in who we are and, I, you know, I've only just sort of come to this recently myself, who cares if people like you or not? Does that really matter? Yes, yes. yes. I mean, that's, well, that's what I believe is our lifelong journey. One of the big realizations I had was that if I kept, if I did all of this work, I would get to that happy place and I, you know, it would all be love and light. No, this work is, there's layers to it. And as much as, you know, the amount of work that we use, personal work, I know that there is still layers there for me to uncover. And I call it unraveling the knots. Yes. um, and now I, now I embrace it. Now I'm like, okay, bring it on, bring it on. Because, um, I also believe that for me with walking my talk, if I, I'm doing this work, because if I'm in service to other women, then I really need to be standing in my power and walking my talk. Yeah. Uh, so um, for me, it's, you know, a priority. It's very important. It's important. But I don't force it either, Beck. When now I allow this to happen. Yeah. to force it anymore i'm not out there looking looking um i um i believe now sorry so you were just saying about not forcing that feminine energy right Beck. i i believe when the healing arises for healing for deep healing to be transformative now it's not to push not to go out searching for it yeah um you know because that's what I felt like I did for years, wanting to heal, wanting to be um, the best version of myself that I could be. Now I allow it. It's it's a different energy. It's an allowing energy, yes. which is a really feminine. It's a receiving energy. It's giving myself permission to feel what I need to feel. And also, you know, maybe to ask angels or my when I feel like I need extra help, 
I'll say, please send me the highest quality of the perfect person that I can work with to <laughs> help me unravel this, you know, yeah. whatever it is that's coming up. Yeah. Silence for self-care. Uh, but I just don't, I, I believe in divine timing and that this healing happens on a deeper level when it's um, met in a more feminine way. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think you're absolutely right when you talk about forcing. And I think what that forcing is, is that often in times when we are in situations that are uncomfortable for us, that are painful for us, we're trying to get out of that as quickly as we can. Um, yes. But what we don't realize, and you know, and again, hindsight's a great thing, but you know, even in moments for myself where I've been in, you know, emotional pain, whatever is going on in my life, where I'm like, you know what, I've got to, I've got to go out and find a way to get out of this. How do I get out? How do I get out? And and I've done that. And it's been in the moments when I've just kind of stopped and allowed that it 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 sort of organically happens itself because you really can't, life isn't about pushing. There's times to push and there's times to pull back. And sometimes you do, you have to sit with those really uncomfortable emotions that we're trying to escape and run away from. Absolutely. And I think that's when you start pushing because you're, you're kind of, you're having the opposite effect. You're wanting to get out of that, but by pushing so hard, you're actually, you're not making it any better. (laughs) Or the other side of that too, Beck, is that that's why we have such issues with food and drugs and alcohol and um, social media and Netflix. We're numbing ourselves. Numbing, yes. Uh, Once we are aware that we're doing that, it is a really huge realisation that we're like, oh, my God, I'm numb to my life. I'm numb to what it is I'm I'm not feeling, I'm yeah. not allowing myself, giving myself permission to feel the uncomfortable feelings. It's one of the most um, important self-care tools that I teach to allow, can you be with this feeling, whether it's shame or anger or disgust or jealousy or resentment, can you be with that? Can you be, yeah. Instead of running, running, running to Netflix or the fridge or, you know, opening a bottle of wine. I mean, I've been guilty of all of that. Me too, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I do not know anybody who hasn't numbed at some stage. Oh, absolutely. And, and when we realise that we're numbing ourselves, it's absolutely fine when we're consciously doing it. Like this afternoon I might go and sit in front of a movie and I will be totally fine doing that. I will, you know, be so happy that I'm um, sitting there and, yeah. you know, Leveling in it, but it's when we start to feel shame or guilt around it that then it becomes really destructive behavior. Yes, and that I that I believe is where a lot of people need just a little bit of guidance, a gentle guidance to bring themselves back to awareness, so that they can feel empowered and then make healthier choices. Yeah, one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves when we catch ourselves in an unhealthy behavior is not to beat ourselves up. We, you know, women, we're very hard on ourselves. We do not need another excuse to beat ourselves up. And I've only just, I've only just recently, (laughs) I've only just recently grasped that and actually put that into practice, if I'm honest, tomorrow. And I, and, and I've known that logically, and you hear that all the time, but it's only 
probably been recently that I've gone, you know what? It's so true. You can't, you can't beat yourself up when you have, you know, gone off the rails of whatever it is you're trying to do or achieve. Because as women, what I've one of the big things I've noticed over the years is that we betray ourselves a lot. Yeah. So we're not we're not keeping our promises to ourselves. No. Even little things, and you just start very small. But it's a great way to t- also learn to teach yourself to be gentle with yourself. If you do break a promise to yourself, and you do whatever the promise is, can be very very small. Um, you know, it might be about drinking three litres of water a day or something yeah. really and if you don't you don't it, there, then there's a way a reason for you to acknowledge it and go okay that's okay tomorrow I'll do better rather than sit there and say oh my god you're useless you never get anything right you know no wonder you're in this situation blah 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 I call it the rats are running and, yes. um, <laughs> and, and it's and it's when we can stop that negative mean chatter and flip it is another incredible self-care tool mm. that we can practice every day. And I think a lot of it as well, Tamara, I think a lot of it is also escapism, you know, and I was talking about this recently with someone else that, you know, a lot of us are in jobs, not everyone, but a lot of us are in a, you know, we all have to earn a living. We all have to survive, but a lot of us are in that mode of working out what we do for work is something that extracts from our energy. It's actually not something that energizes us. Um, and, And I think for a lot of people, including myself up until recently, you know, um, we thought that um, the only people that could pursue things that they love were either really lucky or they were born into money. <laughs> and I think, I think for me, the younger generation, like the generation younger than me, have actually shown me that that's not always the case. Yes. Um, they've actually shown me that, no, you don't have to be, you know, born into a rich family or just extremely lucky to actually live a life that you want to live, that you are actually deserving of that. So I think, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the wine and the food and the Netflix, a lot of it is also people just wanting to escape from their, their everyday, which is really quite sad well I, I I totally agree with you because um as we talked about a little bit before women are in a masculine arena in their yes. feminine energy and they're feeling that it's, women get really depleted when um they are have that sustained energy all the time when they're when they're acting in ways that aren't replenishing their energy you know they're not replenishing their feminine energy yeah we talked about the doing 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 so and when a and i it doesn't take a lot i mean it's just bringing awareness it's finding um that yin and yang energy um but when women start to do some honoring of their feminine then i believe or i've seen evidence of and it's not the same answer for everybody everyone's different but i've seen women be more feeling aligned in their business feeling absolutely able to give from a um, a very full place they don't get depleted in their energies they get energized in that's their right. in what they're offering. that's right that's right and you know and all too often like I've seen it and look and I've been guilty of it too in jobs where you know like it's 
it may not be a job that you hate, but like there's not even enough time in the day to go to the toilet. Sometimes there's not even time to eat your lunch. And these are just basic things that your body actually needs to keep it going. But, you know, like I don't think it's a normal state for people to be in all the time in that constant adrenaline, adrenaline, rushing, 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 because it's work, it's work. And if I don't have a job, you know, you, you then go into that fear state. Oh, I have to do it. I have to do it. And I'm not saying everyone functions out of that space, but I know a lot of people that personally do. And I was also one of them, you know, and I, that's, and for women, especially um, it's not, and even for men, it's not that it's not sustainable to do that every day. Then we wonder why at the end of the day, we go home and open the fridge or you know, have a bottle of alcohol or, you know, just sit on the couch because there's nothing left to give. There's nothing left in your tank to give. That's exactly right, Beck. We're not honouring those practices that will replenish our cup. And we're in so many of us in this at the moment with everything that's going on. We're in survival mode, Beck. Yes. We're in survival mode and depleting energy. Um, you know, where I, I have felt it. I, I honestly have felt it. And I'm not, you know, in a nine to five job or anything, but that mm. survival energy yes. it is. Um, and, and we, unless we take our power back and take responsibility for our energy, that's what's running the show. Absolutely. We're in fear. And, yes. And I, I feel like that if we can, you know, um, honor those feelings of fear, but then find something to counteract or to be able to nurture ourselves more softly within these energies, that is when there'll be a huge shift. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people, you know, even, you know, and I would have been one of these people years ago listening, going, oh, that's easy for them to say, you know, they've got, you know, we've got families to feed. And I do understand that. Like, I do understand all of that. But I think, you know, you'll be surprised what happens when you can really truly shift out of that fear state and keep yourself elevated up in your energy where you're not dropping into fear you'll be surprised what miracles can actually happen in your, in your life like it's quite incredible it's quite incredible and I, I'm, I, I, I'm not I'm not a mother but I do I, I think being a mother is the most important job on the planet and these yeah. women I'm not either by the way I'm not a mother either yet yes and these women who come to me, uh, many of them are Their mothers, moms. maybe not mothers of very young children, yeah. but oh. the mothers now knowing that they will be a better mother if they look after themselves first. Absolutely. Because a lot of what we've talked about and sacred self-care, there's still in some areas of the community for women the idea that this is selfish. Yeah, I, which and is really I just, yeah, sad. That's changing slowly, but there are many women still out there that they believe that if they put themselves first, that that's being selfish. To me, if you're not putting yourself first, you're doing everybody, your family, children, everybody, you're doing them a disservice and yourself. And absolutely, I agree. But you know what I also think it is, Tamara? I think a lot of women also don't know how to put themselves first because I I actually think, and especially if you, you know, um, if you've, if you've grown up giving, 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 uh, and, and it's something that you do have to learn. Like I have a, I have a really beautiful partner now who I've been with for many years and he is a lovely person. But I remember when I first even, you know, came into that relationship, I found it really hard to receive because I was not used to that. I'd come from such an abusive relationship prior that I didn't know how to receive a lot of things. I didn't know. So I think for a lot of women as well, they don't know how to do that for themselves. 
you know. And I think a lot of them don't even know how to even really truly receive love, you know. Well, that starts with our relationship with ourselves. Yes. We, we, if we're not being nurturing and soft and loving towards ourselves, then we're not going to accept it from anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you've, you've, oh, you've framed all that so well. Something I, I wanted to touch on, I know we're jumping a little bit here, but a big part of your journey as well, um, Tamara, was that you actually, you, um, you had an eating disorder. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And you have, you know, you've overcome that. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, I feel like it ties in with everything. Yeah. And uh, my understanding now all these years later was that the eating disorder happens to a lot of people a lot of women I'll talk about I can only talk about women um when there's violence in the family mm, so it, okay. it's trying to find comfort from somewhere yes. you know it's like filling a hole once again it's part of the survival technique a coping mechanism numbing the pain not yep. wanting to feel pain like using food just stuffing food you know it's like oh my god it's numbing it's the same thing with a lot of these other um activities a lot of these other distractions i call them but yeah. it's, it's filling it's filling a void it's just wanting to numb pain absolutely and, and then when you find the courage or for me i can only talk when i found the courage to start to question this behavior, it changed quickly. Mm, okay. Can you, what, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I, I felt, you know, like there was a lot of shame around an eating yeah. disorder. Yeah. And, and I don't think, you know, nobody knew a lot, a lot of shame. And it went on, this wasn't a short time. This went on for quite a few years. Um, but I was, I mean, I was quite, I was in my twenties, yeah. teenage years and twenties. It went on for quite a few, but then I found the courage to face the shame. Now, I, I, this, these where I'm talking about guiding moments where you feel like you're guided. There is something a bigger energy than you and the pain that you're in. So I, it's not like I went looking for courage. It's just that I, I, but there was something that was guiding me or inside of me that you know that wanted to heal this. And so when I went and saw um, a therapist at one time, like this, you know, this wasn't just an all easy one, you know, one off no, adventure. I can understand. Yeah. I remember going to talk to one therapist and I couldn't even open my mouth. I was embarrassed. She was yawning and watching a clock oh, because of how unworthy and small. And you know, I mean, that was horrible for me as a yeah. highly sensitive person and you know, people pleaser and perfectionist so that one didn't go so well <coughs> and then we found a beautiful therapist and I found the courage you know to talk about this in a little bit of you know in a small way and she was able to ask questions that got you know a little bit deeper things started shifting for me quickly I was right. able to a little bit of more of control of the eating disorder now this didn't this was stop start stop start but that was the beginning and I believe it's when you take those first painful steps where you're confronting your shadow that that's where the real healing is you know when you take 
those first steps towards the pain, towards the fear, towards the shame that we all carry. We all have a shame file about something. Yeah, and instead absolutely. of denying it and, and repressing it and pretending it's not there or using, or using these unhealthy skills, when we take us just one, you know, one baby step, I'm going to make that call or I'm going to see that person or one baby step, then the universe supports us in our healing. Yeah, absolutely. God always supports those who help themselves, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, well, um, what I've felt, what I felt like over the years that me being able to take those baby steps towards my pain and towards my healing has been one of the biggest lessons I needed to learn on this. Uh, and for me, it was, you know, being able to be brave in those situations and take the step towards the healing and not run away from it. Not run away from it. Because you also mentioned that you you kind of, you had to make friends with your body and your appearance. Can you explain a little bit about what what, what you meant by that? Absolutely, Beck. I one this is um, another part of it, and I believe that this was all tied in with the eating disorder yeah. that I didn't feel like I looked good enough. You know that I was um, that I was fat, or that my body wasn't perfect, and mm. you know I had, and you know there was. I remember this as a re- I'm a recovering perfectionist and that I had to be perfect to be loved yeah. in my family. So, and my mother, you know, always looked wonderful. Um, it was, it was, there's a lot of knots tied up in that with a mother daughter relationship yeah. and feeling criticized by your mother and feeling not good enough. And she's just re- projecting what she learned. Correct. She had to look. It's no, there's no blame here. There's just, she was doing the best she could as a young mother, but she was projecting her stuff about herself. That's right. Um, and and I, the body image thing for women is huge. Oh, it's massive. I, yeah, I've struggled with it myself my entire life, so I can understand, I yeah. I don't know many women who do. And, yeah. <laughs> and I now I'm in my 60s, so then there's the whole ageing thing that goes with it. Uh-huh. But I look, back, I look back now and think to myself, you know, in my... 30s, 40s, and 50s. I was like, I had a great body. I had, yes. you know, a bit of honor it, have a bit of a reality <laughs> check about it. But I, I still do uh, body love meditations and yes. um, body love um, work. So I feel like that's going to be with me my whole life. That yeah, recovery. Yeah this thing if my body's not perfect if I don't look perfect then I'm not going to be loved that's going to be with me into certain degrees for the rest of my life I believe I'm yeah. just grateful I've come to an awareness of um being friends yeah making friends with my body now yeah absolutely and I can I, again you know I can relate to what you're saying Tamara you know I was someone who struggled with my um body and weight my whole life and um you know I re- <laughs> it's funny when you look back in hindsight you see photos of yourself you think to yourself god you you know whatever you were thinking whether you were fat or you were this or that you look back you think god that wasn't even the case but you know I remember at the time 
constantly hiding myself in these massive jackets. Like <laughs> I would always like it, I'd be that person. It would be like really hot and I'd be in this massive jacket trying to hide, hide myself. And um, it wasn't until, oh, you know, and then I, and then I think in my twenties to sort of mid to late twenties, I became this, um, you know, a, a bit of a gym junkie and, um, you know, would, would train, but then would overtrain. And if I ate something that was, you know, I considered not good, I would go and punish myself by running five kilometers on a treadmill, um, you know, that kind of mentality. So it was unhealthy, even though to look at me physically, you think, oh, really fit and healthy. Um, but I wasn't, I was actually really unhealthy because I had such a bad relationship with my own body. And then in 2014, I became really sick with an autoimmune condition and my body just absolutely changed. It changed in such a way I couldn't understand, but it gave me such a new appreciation for my body and that the whole aesthetics of my body um, was no longer my focus. So it was in a way, a lot of it was a blessing in disguise um, and that you, I sort of looked at my body like I appreciated, you know, what it, what it did. It was just trying to get me through every day at that point. And, you know, yeah, you, I just had this new appreciation for, you know, what the, you know, the human body is all about and that it's not just about looking a certain way. It's not. No, dang. I, I, I believe many, many women are disconnected from their bodies. Uh, and that's a lot of the work I do in workshops and things is to reconnect with our body. And even now, I believe one of the um, loveliest things we can do with ourselves and, and what I also do every morning yeah. is to breathe into my body and notice right. the sensations in my body. Uh, practice gratitude and I ask her what do you need today what do you need today mm. now you might not get an answer straight away but you will notice subtle shifts about a choice that you will make or a decision that you will make um, uh, to do with your body and you'll and you'll be like oh where did that come from but if you start to check in with your body every day and appreciate her, love on her, send lots of love and light to the bits of the, your body that you're not loving so much. Um, thank your body, every single part of your body and um, smile into your body and then ask your body, what is it you need today? Oh, wow. Um, see, little, simple, grounded, practical practices, self-care practices absolutely can be life-changing. Really? Uh, and that's a real, I haven't, haven't heard of that one before, but that's, that, that is, um, so what do you do, Tamara? You just kind of um, get in tune with your body by asking it you know out loud what it needs yeah I, I you keep it simple and you use the words that feel right for you you set an intention this takes only a couple of minutes mm. so you're breathing into your body so you awareness of your body and what I invite women to do is feel the sensations of their body so that they're out of their head and into their body and you can do it for as long or as short as you like but send I call it a body love meditation but but send some love and light to every part of your body right. every part of your body just do a and, and notice where there's discomfort notice where you have resistance notice where you go yuck or you feel Mm -hmm. um, a resistance to that part of your body and just feel it you don't need to do anything you feel it feel it and notice how you're feeling about it all and honor your body 
this is a temple, this is your body temple. And uh, then you may like to put your hand on your heart, you put your left hand on your heart, and then you ask to yourself or out loud, it doesn't matter, and you just say, beautiful body, what do you need today? Our body has so much incredible wisdom and where yeah. all of us are too much in our head. Yes, uh, we oh, have a so brain. True. We have a brain in our heart and a brain in our gut. And the more and more we can get in touch with that, the more, more, more and more we will make healthy choices. Oh, you're so wow! That's hit really. That's hit really hard, Tamara. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, yeah, gosh, just taking that in a little bit. Um, wow, no, that's I'll definitely be adopting that practice for sure. I've not done that, and I'm sure other people listening will get value out of that. Um, while, while we're on that, Tamara, just you, you actually did lose your mum at, at a young age. That must've been really hard. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> I was, I was living in Los Angeles in the eighties. Right. right. And when my mother became unwell, I came home, left LA within the space of 24 hours to come home and look after her. I was in my early 30s and right. while I was here, she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, so I decided to stay and I had this attitude, a codependent attitude, but I was like, oh, and this is one of the things I've had to work with a lot of my life is being able to fix or save people. Yes. And I couldn't save my mother or fix my mother. So I went into the depths of depression after she passed. I used the, the grief. I got lost in the grief and I used alcohol to numb the pain. Right. And that went on for a few years. And there are even times now, little moments, and this is 30 years later, Wow. Even moments now when I will, and um, I feel her presence a, a lot, yeah, you know, there's course. not anything there, but there are even moments now when the grief can go, oh, I miss. So, yeah, saying it was definitely a trauma, but I also found it an incredible, incredible privilege to be able to spend that time with her. What I had to heal was my idea that I can fix and save people that is codependent behavior yeah and i cannot fix or save anybody well yeah abs absolutely and when you say you couldn't fix or save her are you talking about fixing and saving from the cancer or from other things oh from the cancer from the cancer like, I mean, that, that's a very good question, Beck, because there's a lot of all of that tied up in there. Yeah, of course, yes. Because I was, um, I was the one who would always kind of feel responsible for my mother if my father was um, being abusive, you know, things sure. like that. So sure. I, I felt like I was, you know, that I was be able to save and fix and things like, I felt like that. That's how it... I just thought I'd be able to save her, but I didn't. And it really, it was a, it really hit me hard. Yeah, I got really lost in the grief of it. And so, how did you, um, 
because I know that you've been really open about, you know, having used drugs and alcohol, um, you know, and, and look, and I think an addiction is addiction, whether it's drugs, whether it's food, wh- whatever it may be. I think everything, um, whatever becomes an unhealthy, um, whenever something is taken in excess is unhealthy. Um, so what did you like, what did you do to to you know get through something like that Tamara? I um I never was really I mean I abused substances I never was really addicted but I okay. certainly abused substances. sure sure the drugs, the drugs were easy because that was really fun part of Los Angeles yeah um, in the 80s I can imagine yeah. <laughs> um, uh, champagne and cocaine yeah. um Whereas when I, uh, in the early 90s, when I came back to Australia and then the alcohol was a problem, it was a, it was a, abusing the alcohol, numbing right. the pain. I didn't okay. know why I was doing it. But once again, it was shameful behaviour for me. So it was once again addressing the shame behind the behaviour that I couldn't just have a glass of wine, that I had to really, you know, kind of get drunk to mm-hmm. numb the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, once again, it was uh, baby steps and getting help when I um, felt like it was asking the right questions, you know, like um, I've got a problem with this. Well, actually, what I did, Beck, when I think about it now, is that I never really addressed the problem head on initially because I felt shame around it. So I would go and get help about other things until I finally started to go, oh, this is so unhealthy, this doesn't feel, you know, this is not um, serving me, this is, you know, not a behaviour, I don't feel grown up with it, you know, what part Mm. of myself numbing I'm I'm not being a grown-up here I'm not being responsible I'm hurting other people which for me is like the worst yes um, thing. I can um, understand when I if I'm taking out my pain on someone else that just creates more spiraling shame so for me I really that's when I had to pull myself up when I started to acknowledge that I was taking my pain out on other people that's when I was like oh no and but it wasn't an overnight success it was you know years years of kind of um, looking at the pain and looking at my behavior and getting help here and getting help there Um, and now it it kind of feels like um, that it's not it's not anything I'm scared of anymore. I'm never scared of going back there. Um, whereas I can have a you know a glass of wine or a vodka now, and and that's enough. That feels okay, sure. and I can just have that every couple of weeks. And um, as what I do is when I feel like something's becoming a habit. And that now I'm talking about coffee because I love coffee. <laughs> I think <laughs> a lot of coffee, people do. <laughs> but coffee's not good for me. It's a no. cortisol dump. Yeah, so I, I kind of. So I only have like about two a week. But when I slip, like I've just recently had like four coffees four days in a row, and I've yeah. gone okay. I'm really gentle with myself now. I bring awareness to it and I'm like, okay, that was okay, but I'm, I I don't need to have a coffee today. I don't need to have a coffee tomorrow. Now I really gauge if I really want a glass of wine, it's when I really feel like a glass of wine, mm. not to numb pain. 
I just was like, oh, if I'm having a beautiful dinner and I'm like, oh, a glass of wine with this would be lovely. Or it's not to numb pain anymore. Yes. Um, it, it's me now. The big shift, I believe, with women is when they get in touch with their pleasure, like having a glass of wine with a beautiful meal is pleasure. That's and such a good I point. Bless it and I honor every taste. I feel every bite. I really experience. I experience it in a sensual way. I really. I look at it. I smell it. I. You know. What am I hearing at the time? I turn this into a very sensual pleasure, and enjoy every mouthful of what of whatever it is I'm having. And I believe that I've been able to help women with their food issues just being able to do that. Yeah, that's that, that and it's it's true really with anything, isn't it? It's it's and it's also just um being conscious, you know, rather than drink, <laughs> drinking, you know, two, three, or four, however many yeah. glasses. But as you said, and I, I love the way you said it, that you really um you make it a really it, it's about you know really enjoying that you make it a pleasurable experience yes like yeah. I think um, I think bringing awareness to what our behaviors are um, is the some of the things that can transform our behaviors you know we're not in we're not we're mindful and we're present we're not just unconsciously eating a bag of chips or yeah. um, drinking we're going we're we're in the moment we experience it in all our senses and we enjoy it even if you sit there tonight or me I'm talking to anybody who <laughs> wants to have a if you sit there and eat a block of chocolate tonight just make the intention to do it with awareness and enjoy every single mouthful of it and and not feel guilty about it. Absolutely love enjoy it. it. And don't, yeah, and if that's the decision it. you're making, I guess if that's the dis- conscious decision you're making to sit down and intentionally eat a whole block of chocolate, then why not enjoy it? But you're so right because there's so many times we will will you know we'll use the block of chocolate as an example. You grab a block of chocolate. You're only going to have two lines, and then the next minute you've eaten the whole block, um, and then the yes. uh, the emotions that you then have inside your body uh you know really guilty angry oh, that's not good is it like that's not healthy no. to be doing that no don't we just use it again to beat ourselves up yeah that's right that's right oh tomorrow you've yeah touched on some really 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 important things there um on a more light-hearted note a really big thing about you as well is that you're actually quite adventurous um um can you tell us a bit about that now i know that you um have you been rafting down the zambezi you <laughs> you <laughs> we'll have to come back to that you you know you've volunteered in borneo with the orangutans um you swam with whales and sharks um and you used to um used to run nightclubs as well in la um you've <laughs> gone trekking through nepal 
um, and hiking um, to the Valley of the Kings in Egypt. You've jumped out of planes. You've gone scuba diving. Um, you've studied yoga in India um, in Fiji. Can you tell? I know that's a lot that I've put there, in, but but tell us about that side of yourself, that adventurous um, Tamara. Um, well, no one's ever actually asked me about that, Beck. So I, I feel like I felt like from a young age, I because I left, um, I went on a, my big overseas trip in my early twenties. Right. One, um, I got a one-way ticket for my twenty-first, and I never really came back to Australia for a long time. Not really. Oh, wow. for, you know, um, a couple of years here and there, and I really felt once again like I was being guided, like I was being called to do this now I don't know and I believe part of it was running away from family running away from things yeah but I was also running towards something Mm. and that running towards something felt like I wanted to get the most out of this life that I possibly could now in my 20s it felt like I was looking for a spiritual now that I've got the benefit of um, hindsight I was looking for a spiritual experience in my 20s. I did know did not know what that meant, but I was looking for answers. Yeah. So I explored the um, Islamic religion um, and I was in Egypt and the Sudan mm. and they tried to the Islam and wow. um, amazing experiences. And then I went to Israel and lived on the books and I wanted to explore Judaism and I thought oh when I found out about Judaism oh my god I'm going to I'm going to be a Jewish person (laughs) all of this was a very young way of thinking and I finally came around after exploring all of this that because it gave me my own blank slate to go and explore Hmm. and um, this is all part of my spiritual journey. I was um, a big one for me. And I feel like that the adventures were just so because it was part of feeling alive. Like it was it was getting my body into my physical body out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be challenged. So physically challenged, emotionally challenged, spiritually challenged, because it was all about personal growth. Sure. But it was also so much fun. Um, a lot of these experiences are um, didn't feel unsafe to me, but they felt I felt like every cell of my body was waking up or was alive mm. on some level. Mm. And I, um, I, I I feel like that's not the answer for everybody. You don't, certainly don't have to go and jump out of a plane to have a spiritual experience. No, um, no. But I feel like it's important for people to step out of their comfort zone in all areas of their life. Yeah. And um I, for me, <laughs> and and I think that was that was the easy part of it. Me for me, getting out of my comfort zone. The more difficult parts of getting out of my comfort zone for me are like stepping more into my power, 
of um, of what it is I want to do in the world or mm-hmm. step into my power of speaking up for myself and being seen because I'm an introvert. Yes. So that's more of where I'm at now focusing, getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah, which is beautiful. And um, I, I think, you know, I remember once I had a, 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 I've always been interested in having conversations with, um, even with people who don't necessarily like a, agree with like my viewpoint, although sometimes I've been told by friends, I do come across really strong and I try to, you know, force my view forward but I also think it's important to have conversations with people who um who don't agree with you um because it opens it opens you up to not necessarily agreeing with them but being able to understand someone else's experience and that it doesn't always have to be the same as yours and that two people can be friends and not have the same viewpoints and I think sometimes even that is pushing you out of your comfort zone because um, I think, um, you know, when you have conversations with someone who just agrees with everything you say, which is great because we all, we, we need to align in life with people who are aligned to our inner values. But I think in life, having conversations that, um, that are sometimes have conflicting ideas can be very, um, uncomfortable for people as well. I, I, yes, actually, I love the way you say that, Beck, because I made a decision, oh, this was 10 years ago now, maybe yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do something I didn't agree with. I wanted to do something big I did not right. agree with. Okay. And my choice at that time was to go and do Tony Robbins. Um, oh, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> you didn't agree didn't, with it. I, Yes, I didn't agree with all the American kind of rah rah, okay. you know. Okay. Parties. Sure. But I went and did the his foundation experience, and then I signed up for the whole Mastery University. So there, <laughs> that that was out of my um, coming <laughs> coming to terms with. I wanted to do something I didn't agree with, and here I am, you know, signing up for the whole. So, yes, I believe it's very important to challenge our beliefs, question our beliefs, question everything that you're told and to question your own beliefs. And so I love talking to people. I I, I would love, I've often said, I want you to show me where I'm mistaken. You know, I would love to know. (coughs) I would love to know more about this because I grow and being able to challenge our beliefs and take on other people's um, information because everybody you meet knows something Mm. you don't. So I I thoroughly believe in being challenged in what we are uh, believing and what we're being told and what we tell ourselves. And to seek seek out people who are... um, who are coming from a higher mind, you know, coming from an intelligent point of view and that are different to yours, not just having a knee-jerk reaction and not because they haven't. I I must admit I still like people who are doing their personal work and are doing all their questioning as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't and I think, want to be challenged by someone who's not in the arena doing all the work. Yeah, if of that course. makes. Oh no, it does. That, it makes. It makes. 
Yeah, that makes it makes perfect sense. And I think, um, you know, and I, and I think it's sometimes it's not necessarily about even trying to, you know, and sometimes you can have conversations, you know, we're just talking about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, but, you know, that can include conversations. And sometimes, it's, as I know for me, it's not always been about, um, as I've gotten older, probably more so, more so recently, it's not always about trying to, um, and again, I've learned this recently, not always try about trying to get people to agree with you or you trying to agree with them. Or sometimes it's just about understanding that someone has a different experience to you and that's okay. And, yes. and allowing yes. that. And yeah, this is a perfect time on the planet to learn about ourselves in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Tamara, so where are you at today? So as in not today, I mean, as in metaphorically, you know, in life. And, and I know, again, that that's also a hard question to sum up, but um, where is Tamara? Where are you today? Well, I am still um, have the intention of taking some of the in-person workshops that and um, mm. sacred circles and things I do, take them on, take something similar so that I have offerings that I can um, share online. So I have a new website being built oh beautiful and um there are uh there are up op- there are opportunities that are presenting themselves um that I'm going to just be aware of and feel into mm. um the last 18 months has been uh challenging for all of us on certain levels and I um and I, you know, still have a dream, dreams of holding my retreats in Bali and um, I still have, you know, dreams of, yes. you know, collaborating with other lovely people. And I've um, written a book and I have an ebook out, oh, you know, fantastic. that is all being being developed at the moment and all of that is all about sacred self-care and just how what I can um help guide women to you know um show up for themselves and I I, so there's little things that I keep doing I've uploaded on insight timer and I still keep doing my personal work and I kind of though I do feel like I'm waiting for something like there's a sense of waiting at the moment and I feel like that's all unfolding in front of me so uh there's more to come back wow more to come okay well we need to watch this space and I will put your website in the show notes as well for um for anyone who wants to reach out or get in contact with you but where is the best place for people to find you tomorrow if they want to connect with you Uh, that's a great uh question probably at the moment uh, while the website's being built um the facebook uh, facebook personal page and the facebook um, business page and what's um, your will be what, best you also have sorry sorry tamara and what, patterson. What, to tamara patterson okay great great so you can find you at tamara patterson on facebook beautiful and what's the is yeah. there a business page as well or, or is that the business page yes no, that will be that will be changing. All this is in the process of changing, oh, but it's okay. called my seven my seven blessings. My seven blessings, beautiful. What a beautiful name! I love that name. That's that's 
beautiful. Um, Tamara, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop by, you know, the podcast and chat with me today. I really appreciate it. I think you've been so raw and um, and so, so giving in, in, in what you've um, given given to me and the listeners who who will tune in and listen to your episode and and um yeah I really thank you for doing that because it's not easy to be um vulnerable it's and you know part of the reason I've created this podcast was to is to you know and even for myself to to share that you know we all really connect through vulnerability we don't connect through perception that we perceive on social media or what's fed to us Um, we really connect through our vulnerabilities because you know often when we feel a certain way we wonder if we're the only ones feeling that and it's Often when we hear that someone else has experienced what we have, we go, oh, my God, they've been through that too. And it's we, we get to that when we make ourselves vulnerable. So I really thank you for coming on today and um, and sharing what you have. Oh, Beck, that's really an honour and I'm so pleased that you're doing such lovely podcasts. It's a wonderful offering to the world. So, And thank you for sharing your part of your story with me as well. I love all of that. Thank you. Um, women have such wisdom when we connect with each other. It's yeah. a beautiful I agree. I agree. Well, um, I, I really hope that, um, you know, you're able to do your um, sacred circles in person. They are really, really lovely. It's a good experience. Um, and uh, I just, yeah, thank you so much for coming on tomorrow. I really appreciate it. You're very, very welcome, Beck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.